This is a Power 98.7 podcast. Now we're talking. Subscribe to Power 98.7 podcasts in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's more on power987.co.za. Let's move on to um, this then. The Democratic Alliance have tabled a number of bills before Parliament in a bid to stabilise coalition governments at all levels through a new regulatory framework. The DA says they've proposed the legislative changes to prepare Parliament uh, for the possibility of coalitions in local, provincial and national governments after the 2024 general elections. Government through the Department of Cooperative Governance and Traditional and Affairs is also planning to have a new uh, system of governing coalitions by the next term of local government elections uh, in 2026. Joining me in studio now, the DA's Chief Whip in Parliament's viewer. Wahube, good morning to you and thank you so much for coming in. Good morning and uh, good morning to the Power Breakfast listeners. Right. Let's just start with, uh, I've just mentioned that uh, Cogda also have, uh, have proposals uh, um, uh, of their own here. Are we, is this then an indication that there is starting to be some kind of consensus around the situation with the, um, or the fact that there is some kind of a need for an intervention when it comes to coalition governments? Given that uh, I think was it a year ago that uh, you first brought these proposals before mm. uh, Parliament, but uh, did not get much traction. Mm. Yeah, look, I think uh, I think TT what's what's important here is that there's a recognition that the instability we've seen mm. at a local level has come at a great cost of governance and service delivery, and the people who've borne the brunt of that is actually the residents and it's the citizens. Mm. And quite frankly, I think as all political players in South Africa, we've got to shoulder some of the blame mm. uh, for the way in which the, some of the coalition governments have gone. And so my view is that it, as legislators who are represented in parliament, it is incredibly important for us not to simply fold our hands and wait until election day, mm. where then we we sit and we scramble about how do we create uh, an environment for hung legislatures and mm. provinces? How mm. do we create a legislative framework for a hung parliament, for instance? As lawmakers, it is actually the core of our job to be forward-looking, to say, look, we've learned lessons in 2016, in 2021. How then do we take those lessons and we put together proposals on a legislative framework, but also even from sitting across the table mm. and having mature, frank conversations about what needs to be done to stabilize governments in South Africa? Let's talk about the approach then that you have taken as the DA. You mentioned in the article that you wrote uh, that appeared in the uh, the comment appeared in the Sunday Times over the weekend that uh, uh, members of parliament had uh, taken up uh, an, an, a, you know, a little trip uh, to Kenya and Ireland to just have a look at different models. Obviously, there's different approaches to coalitions. Just mm-hmm. to maybe just to give us some highlights in terms of uh, what uh, you, you, you found there and mm-hmm. what you think uh, we can take from each of their approaches. Yeah, look, I think if one looks at European models, a lot of the countries have have an extensive experience of of coalition mm. governments. I mean, you look at places like Ireland; they had their very first coalition government back in 1948. Um, countries like Germany have done things like, for instance, we are proposing they've introduced an electoral threshold of five percent to say mm. if you are unable to cobble together five percent of the national vote, then you shouldn't really be part of uh, you know form a government. Um, And then you get a a place like Kenya, for instance, that has grappled with the complexities of coalition governments. And they 
actually passed a law where this is part of the reason where I got some of these ideas from mm. last year already. They decided to pass the Political Parties Act in 2007. That would create at least a legislative framework to say, how do we form a government? Mm. How do we put together, um, you know, coalition agreements? Who gets to be the secretariat of these agreements so that we don't have a scenario where somebody is accused of, you know, being big brother and the like? Mm. They've completely depoliticized that. And I think there's a lot to be learned. While these will always be political agreements, but Titi, we cannot allow ourselves to let South Africans down in this way. Mm. And surely as leaders, we can at the very least agree that there something needs to be done. We've got to stabilize coalition governments. And if we're going to see a province like Gauteng, a province like KwaZulu-Natal in a coalition government, then we need to know what we're doing. Mm. And we need to start doing the work now. So I'm interested in the work that COCTA is doing. Um, we've reached out to all the political parties represented in parliament. We've had a revolution in our thinking and in our approach to say, look, this is not set in stone. These are legislative proposals. Let's sit around the table. Let's pass panel beat them, mm. let's come up with the best product. I imagine this, uh, particularly the propositions that you make, or at least uh, uh, proposals that you make around the the, the minimum threshold will not uh, uh, find good, will not be well received, but particularly by the smaller parties. I mean, we now have a party right now that have, um, our mayor comes from a party that domestic what, 1% of a mm-hmm. vote, if not less, and not for the first time. We've mm-hmm. had that before in other uh, provinces and in other metros as well. You know, there, some may argue that this goes against the whole principle of proportional representation. Yeah. And look, we, ha- we had to grapple with that extensively because, of course, you know, ours is a PR system and we had to make sure that by introducing an electoral threshold, we're not falling foul of that. And the Constitution is quite clear that it talks about general representation. And our view is that if you're a political party that is at least able to amass 2% of a national vote, that is general proportionality that the constitution envisions. Mm. But we're not married to that again, TT. That is why this parliamentary process is important. And this is why the communication with other political parties has been critical. We're not saying that we're not moved by any other proposals. If people are saying an electoral threshold of Mm. 2% is too high, we can have a conversation. But once we have looked at at international best practice, we realize that the hallmark of successful coalition governments in many parts of the world are where we have electoral thresholds, mm-hmm. where we have serious political players who have a lot to lose if they walk out and collapse governments mm. like we've seen in South Africa. Potentially here we're looking at, I mean, and this uh, kind of uh, um, engagement that you speak of and consultation with other parties will be very important because potentially we're talking uh, not only to a change of a piece of legislation, but uh, a constitutional amendment. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the key constitutional amendment there, I think, will probably be the most uncontentious change mm. because it's the one that proposes that instead of having 14 days to negotiate a government, that we have 30 days. Because currently we only have two weeks. And our view is that that is too narrow a time. And 
ultimately what you then end up doing is you start jostling and putting together mm. shoddy coalition agreements that don't stand the test of time. So if we can at least make sure that on a national, provincial and a local level, we get a month mm. to put together a coalition government, then we are of the view that at least it, it sets us in good stead. Mm. So I think that's probably going to be a very uncontentious mm. uh, change. But it, again, we still need a two-thirds majority. And that's why we're saying to the ANC, this is not about legislating for your demise or legislating mm. for the DA. It's about legislating for the country, regardless of who governs next year. Mm. At the end of the day, we need to think about the citizens who've borne the brunt mm. of really unstable governments that cannot be held accountable. My guest in the studio is the DA's chief whip in the National Assembly, Sveva uh, Guajube. We're talking about proposals that they put forward, bills that they have put uh, before Parliament there that seek to, uh, I just, you just heard there, amend the Constitution. Uh, but all it's all in uh, with a view um, to stabilizing coalitions at various levels of government. Uh, at the moment, we're seeing coalitions at local government, but uh, all indications and all polling seems to suggest that we may well see coalitions at provincial, uh, in certain provincial governments, or possibly even at national uh, level. Let's just talk as well about what you are proposing in terms of the uh, what, what uh, changes would, or amendment would be required to the Municipal Structures Act. Yeah. Look, I mean, that is just simply about you making it uniform, for instance, um, the same way we would, you know, amend the Constitution about limiting the emotions of no confidence. We would do the same at a at a local government um, because, of course, local government is governed mm. by the Municipal Structures Act. But I do want to maybe just a quick explanation mm. as to why we think it's important to maybe limit um, the frequency of motions of no confidence. Oh, yes. That's this, been a big, big destabilizer. Yeah. Yes. But, you know, this is and motions of no confidence are an important accountability tool that were built into the Constitution. But we've seen the abuse of them where, you know, a mayor would be sworn in today and next month they're no longer the mayor. And our view is that if you saw that at a provincial or a national level, you are going to see instability we've never mm. seen before. It cannot be that you have two presidents from two different political parties in, in, in maybe one year. So our view is that a government should be able to pass a budget. They should deliver against it so that voters can hold them accountable to it. They can hold them accountable to their, against their priorities unless there is, uh, there is a proof of law having been broken, mm. then of course you can act against that person. But we have to think about how do we stabilize these governments enough at least that they can be able to deliver um, against those budgets that they've passed. Mm-hmm. 0861-987-000. You can give us a call if uh, in a few minutes that we have remaining with uh, Sevilla Guajobe if you want to weigh in on the proposals around changes to legislation and even to the Constitution um, to in order to try and find a stable way or working um, coalitions at various levels of government. Give us a shout. 0861-987-000. We'll conclude with uh, Sevilla Guajobe, DA Chief of Parliament after this. Power Breakfast with TT. TT. Weekdays 6 to 9 a.m. on Power 98.7. My guest in studio this morning is the DEA's Chief Whip in Parliament, Sevilla Guajube. We're talking about their proposed, uh, the bills that they've put uh, before Parliament uh, aimed at uh, trying to regulate and stabilize um, coalition governments. You could, we'll take your calls or 061 or 1 or 2 of your calls. I just wanted to say the USDA have had.
had quite a bit of experience uh, in terms of trying to make these coalition governments uh, work with um, um, varying levels of success. What do you think is the biggest lesson that you've taken out? I mean, you've even tried the going the route of coalition uh, agreements. What has been, why have they failed in essence? I mean, the US, the DA have been accused of for bullying tactics, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what, where, you, what your, where, where, you're, where you stand on, you know, what the party with the, you know, the bigger share of the vote, um, what their standing should be. Surely these uh, coalitions can be formed on the basis of equality when, uh, you know, the reality is that you're not equal, even in terms of the numbers of votes that you've acquired, uh, that you managed to secure. Yeah. Look, I think on, on, on the question of the varying degrees of success, I mean, I think, you know, in 20, 2006, Helen Ziller led an 11-party coalition in the city of Cape Town and was able to finish, see that to a finish to a term. But I think, TT, what has been really difficult has been managing really like large parties, uh, large mm. party coalitions, 10-party coalitions, who, who all these different political parties are all seeking to grab the steering wheel. Mm. And it's almost impossible to drive a car with t- 10 different drivers on the steering wheel. And so I think one of the things that we've learned is that, number one, you've got to do the legwork before mm. time to say who is at the very least aligned with us in terms of what are the priorities for a city? What are we going to do in our first 100 days in mm. government? Who's going to be the mayor? Who are the people who are going to be in, in, in the various positions and why? And then you also have to coalesce with people, Titi, whose word you can take. Mm. Because I cannot be in agreement with you today. Because remember, this is a political agreement. It's not a contract. I can't mm. take you to court if you then simply pull out of the coalition agreement. But this is why I think that, you know, you as a partner need to be a serious enough partner to suffer electoral consequences when you walk out mm. of a, a coalition agreement because you were offered a better deal elsewhere. So I think also those have been the lessons. But also, mm. I think there's been a lesson in saying, how do we work well with other political parties? Yeah. How do we approach this in a way where people don't feel managed, mm. in a way where people feel like, even though you may have the larger numbers, but we can work together. And that's okay. why the process now starts off like this to say, we invite inputs. Okay. Let's hear from Victor in Bedford View. Good morning. Good morning, Mr. Chichi. How are you? I'm very well. I hope you're well too. Yeah, and good morning to the honorable guest there in the studio. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah look, um, yeah, I just want to concur with the speaker there 100% that uh, the motion of confidence have been abused and they were not raised for the real reason that they were supposed to be raised, whereby a mayor definitely has failed in his task because most of them they've been re- removed even within uh, before they can even last for a hundred days where they could it could be proven that this person is failing mm. you know so i think uh, i would like to agree with the speaker that the, the rules need to be changed mm. and they need to be given enough time to prove for themselves before they can be removed on a motion of no confidence okay thank great. you very much thank you victor uh, in bedford view in the absence of a contract as you put it how mm. do you hold partners to a coalition accountable then 
Well, ultimately, I think that's why... Well, hold them to their word more. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Be- because, look, even a country like Kenya that has legislation, right, um, you know, that governs the arrangement of coalition governments, they themselves can't necessarily, you know, take you to court for, mm. for reneging on your, an agreement. But at the very least, and this is where I think for me, political accountability becomes important. Now you've got to look at somebody's track record. I mean, if you've coalesced with people in the past who have simply walked out on government... I would I would argue that you you know you shouldn't go down that route before again. Secondly, I think as I said, if you are a serious enough partner that amasses just a, a, mm. a quite a bit of support nationally, mm-hmm. your voters are going to ask you, TT, how come is it that you walked out of a coalition government that was going to allow us to have proper service delivery, as you guys had mm-hmm. said? And I think if we if you've got enough serious partners around the table, then it's mutually assured that nobody wants to collapse this 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 current government. Mm. But ultimately, it requires political will okay. and political maturity mm. because no one has a gun to your head mm. except your commitment that you made to the citizens. Right. What happens now in terms of how the process now unfolds? Look, now the matter, the bills are being introduced in Parliament in the coming weeks. Um, and we're hoping that political parties and the various portfolio committees that they'll be referred to can support the initial stage so that this can go out into um, the public participation process. And I'm really encouraging South Africans, you know, legal experts, anyone really who's an active citizen to participate and say, you know, this is how we can augment, make these better because ultimately this is the beginning of a process but we cannot as lawmakers sit back and allow events to happen to Mm. us we've got to lead the process of saying how do we legislate or at least come up with the framework that we can work with great stuff thank you so much Uh, to the da's uh, chief whip in parliament i appreciate you coming into studio this morning thank you so much thank you so much titi You've been listening to a Power 98.7 podcast. For more podcasts, visit power987.co.za or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.